0: Friends, good morning and welcome to our service of worship at First Presbyterian Church in Boone, North Carolina. Uh, my name is Jeff Smith. I'm the pastor here at First Presbyterian Church and I welcome you warmly on this Palm Sunday as we worship the living God together. Many of you may have received palm fronds from our church. Some of you probably came by the church on Saturday and picked them up or maybe our Children's Ministry Director Aaron Fowler dropped them off at your home Um even as we're apart today, I encourage you to wave these palm fronds as a sign of our worship of the King of Israel who comes to save us and who declares that he is our Lord. And so this Palm Sunday, we welcome you to our service of worship. As we gather today, just a few announcements. This is Holy Week, and as we celebrate together on Palm Sunday, we look ahead to Monday, Thursday, which will be this Thursday evening. Uh, We will have a live stream on Facebook Live this Thursday at 6.30 p.m., and you are invited to join us for a time in which we reflect on Jesus' last night with his disciples and as he turns uh, towards Gethsemane to be arrested and taken away uh, for our sins on Good Friday. So we encourage you to join us at 6.30 p.m. this evening for a message and service of worship. And then on Good Friday, we encourage you to join our sister congregation, Rumpel Memorial Presbyterian Church, at noon. They will hold a service, a live stream that will take place for Good Friday. Uh, music will actually begin at 11.45 a.m. And we encourage you to join them as uh, as they lead us in that. We were planning to do a joint service of worship together, just as we did last year. And so that didn't pan out the way that we would hoped. But we encourage you to, to chime in at noon this Good Friday. And then, of course, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And, of course, it will be different than it has been for us. But the spirit of Easter lives on, regardless of whether we are physically together or not. And so we encourage you to join in at 11 a.m. for a special Easter service of worship on next Sunday. Friends, it is good to be with you, whether you are a member of our congregation, whether you are a member of our community, or whether you're watching Uh, This service, this day, from somewhere around the world, Uh, we welcome you as we continue our sermon series on the uh, seven last words of Jesus from the cross. We come to the sixth word today. It is finished here on this Palm Sunday. Before we jump into our scripture readings, let us take a moment to bow before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray together. Holy God, we give you thanks for your love and for your grace that holds us fast. We thank you that even during this time of uncertainty that you are Lord and that you are in control. And so, God, we look to you, trusting in your goodness and your graciousness together, and we pray once again, Lord, that you would center us as we gather today on your word, and we pray that you would speak a word to us that would remind us, Lord, of your love, that would remind us of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ that together we would celebrate your lordship in our lives, and that we would continue to be faithful in our service of you, no matter where we are. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for all your blessings. And I ask your blessing upon our time together this day. For we ask all these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and let all of God's children joyfully say, Amen. Amen. Friends, our first scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of John, John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to read along with me this morning, but hear now from God's Word on this Palm Sunday. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Friends, our second reading is also from the Gospel of John. John chapter 19, verse 30. Here now from God's word. When he, Jesus, had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today, we celebrate what we call in the Christian church, Palm Sunday a remembrance of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival. And he comes riding on a donkey while crowds of people took palm branches, waving them and welcoming him as the King of Israel. Until now, Jesus has always silenced the voices that declared him the Messiah, all the voices that declared him the Son of God and the King of Israel. But on this particular day, Jesus refuses to silence the shouts of those who declare his praises and wave their palm branches. He accepts their acclamation, despite their misunderstandings of the kingdom he seeks to inaugurate. In John's Gospel, we're told, The next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed be the King of Israel! Now, just the day before, Jesus was in Bethany enjoying a dinner in his honor at the home of Mary and Martha, along with their brother Lazarus. This was a special meal like no other because Jesus had miraculously raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, Lazarus had been terribly ill, and he died from his illness and had been in the tomb for four days before Jesus even made it to Bethany. But when he arrived there, he ordered the stone that sealed the tomb to be removed, and he said to Martha, Did I not tell you that if you believe that you will see the glory of God? Then Jesus prayed to God in front of everyone so that those who heard would believe that God had sent him. And then he commanded in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Slowly, Lazarus walked out of the tomb in his grave clothes. And then Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. In response to this miracle, John tells us, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But Jesus' miracle also stirred up anger and dissension between the chief priest and the Pharisees who wanted to find a way to kill him. Knowing the danger, Jesus and the disciples retreated in the wilderness to a place called Ephraim. But just before Passover, Jesus returned to Bethany, For a meal with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And while there, the word got out that he had arrived at their home, and a large crowd of Jews came to see him and Lazarus there. Now, it's quite possible that the crowd that had gathered to see him is the same crowd that was traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. You see, Bethany is only about three miles from Jerusalem, and it would make sense that those who had witnessed Jesus' miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead would also follow him to Jerusalem for the festival. In doing so, their festal procession is intended to anoint him as Israel's king, who will deliver them from their Roman oppression and restore Israel to their former glory. So at least they thought. The crowd shout out loud, Hosanna. Now, Hosanna literally means save now. And for those who witnessed Jesus bringing the dead to life, They know that he has the power to save them and to deliver them from their evil oppressors. And Jesus couldn't have picked a better time to do such a thing, for it was the time to celebrate Passover, God's greatest deliverance of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Now, the Passover was the tenth plague God inflicted on Egypt that forced Pharaoh's hand to finally let the Israelites go. The Israelites were instructed to slaughter a lamb and to sprinkle the blood over the door frames of their homes to mark them as belonging to the Lord. Later that night, the Lord would visit every household in Egypt, passing over the homes marked with the blood of the lamb and striking down every firstborn son in Egypt who had not heeded God's instruction. For 400 years, the Israelites had been in slavery And God had finally delivered them from the hands of their oppressors through this Passover plague. Hosanna! Jesus now stands at the crossroads of salvation, saving them from their earthly wishes or saving them from the hands of Satan. They can only see the tyranny that confronts them in the moment that which is temporary, but Jesus sees far beyond that and focuses his attention on the eternal. You see, Jesus knows what he's doing. He knows why he has come, and nothing will stop him from pursuing his mission. He doesn't mount a war horse and a chariot. Instead, he rides humbly on a donkey, fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy. Jesus has told his disciples on numerous occasions what is going to happen, yet they remain clueless and in denial of what is taking place. And so John tells us, at first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that all these things had been done to him. In the moment, the disciples also joined in the procession, anticipating that Jesus was about to turn things upside down. But truth be told, that's exactly what Jesus does. He turns things upside down. The cheers of Palm Sunday, the shouts of Hosanna, they will be short-lived. Jesus rides his donkey into Jerusalem with his eyes fixated on his mission. In fact, his own words earlier in John foreshadow his calls. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. This time, Jesus doesn't run away from those who wish to kill him. He embraces his destiny, keeping his eyes focused on his sheep as he draws closer to Jerusalem. Was he scared? Yes, but that didn't stop him. In fact, he says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The timing of Jesus' death is poignant. It's Passover. And he is the spotless lamb to be sacrificed once and for all. Over the last five weeks, we have looked at Jesus's words from the cross. And today we hear God's faithful promise from his parched lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus knew that his death on the cross would change life and the world forever. While tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days, he never gave in. Tempted by Satan from his own beloved disciple, Peter, not to die, he never wavered. And while tempted from the cross to save himself and to save those next to him, he refused to display his power and derail his mission. It is finished. His words speak the finality of his death, that it's finally over and that he's endured it to the very end. And while this is true, it doesn't grasp the fullness of what Jesus is actually saying here. Oftentimes, when we finish something, we check the box and move on, but Jesus' death is not a box to be checked. Rather, it's a door that opens up the ongoing blessings of God for us. Maybe it would be better to translate it, it has been accomplished, for this gives a greater sense of meaning for us. You see, we affirm that Christ's death, which happened over 2,000 years ago, isn't just something that happened and is over with. We affirm that it continues to have an ongoing effect on the lives of those who come to faith in Jesus. His death has accomplished so much for us, which is why we call it Good Friday. It's not a coincidence that his last miracle before he rode on a donkey into Jerusalem was raising Lazarus from the dead. In fact, as he stood before the tomb, John tells us, Jesus wept. Jesus not only cried, but he cried tears of righteous anger as he stared at the effects of sin in this world. Yes, he loved Lazarus, but his emotions fueled his passion to solve the problem of sin and death. He used his authority to raise Lazarus from the dead to prove to those who gathered there that he indeed is the resurrection and the life. And as Jesus stared at Lazarus's tomb, as he watched him walk out wrapped up in his grave clothes, he could also foresee his cross and his death, the finish line that would accomplish what he set out to do to bring life from death once and for all. Jesus came to give life to the walking dead, to all of us who are enslaved in sin. The Apostle Paul tells us, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In his death, he's accomplished his mission to defeat Satan's power and hold over us once and for all. He reconciles humanity with God by taking our sin upon himself on the cross, where it's crucified, dead, and buried for all eternity. And in his self-sacrifice, he takes on God's wrath for our sin, becoming the Passover lamb once and for all. His blood shed on the cross marks us as his own and displays God's unconditional love for his people. Hosanna! Jesus did exactly what the crowd shouted for him to do, just not the way that they had anticipated it. The writer of Hebrews says this, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It is finished. It has been accomplished, because Jesus refused to leave us dead in our sin. His great love for us compelled him to do what we cannot do for ourselves. And so he willfully left the glory of heaven for the scorn of earth and pursued us with a love that will not let us go, a love that is shown not only in word, but even more so in deed. Let me be clear, no one took his life from him. Jesus was not caught by surprise by those who sought to kill him. He pursued his own death, and he lived out God's divine and perfect plan to restore and reconcile humanity forever. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. Yet like the crowds that shouted for Jesus to save them from their oppressors, to end their suffering, we also cry out to God asking for him to take away this virus from us. Hosanna! We cry, waiting for God to act and to put an end to the evil that is terrorizing our world. Yet each day, the death toll increases, and each day there are more people infected. The truth is, is that things may continue to get worse before they get better. But if you think about it, that's certainly what happened during Passover when Jesus was there. His disciples were scared fearful of being killed, and they felt hopeless as their Lord was crucified before them. All hope seemed lost as Jesus breathed his last and bowed his head. But Jesus' death was not hopeless. It accomplished far more than what could be seen in the moment. And John reminds us that the disciples didn't understand what was going on on Palm Sunday until after Jesus was glorified and resurrected. Like them, We don't understand what's going on now, but we know that Jesus has overcome sin and death through his own death and ultimately in his resurrection from the grave. The Apostle Paul reminds us that there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate us from the love of Christ, not trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, or even COVID-19. Many were dying, many are dying from this illness and it breaks my heart. It also breaks God's heart too. Jesus wept and until the final consummation, he still does. Yet he's the Lord of life, of resurrection, of healing and promise. In fact, the prophet Isaiah declares to us by his wounds, we are healed. Christ's death and resurrection promises us that no matter what happens in this life, that he has the authority to raise the dead. For Jesus is the King of Israel. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the Son of God, and the resurrection and the life. And John assures us that the celebration of Palm Sunday will continue even in the kingdom of heaven through his vision found in the book of Revelation. He tells us this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Even though we can't physically be together to celebrate this Palm Sunday, we still celebrate from the comfort of our own homes that Jesus is King, that Jesus is sovereign, and that Jesus has accomplished more than just our temporal concerns and fears. He has saved us for all of eternity. We have good reason to raise our palm branches today and to shout out his praise. And regardless of what lies ahead, John's vision assures us that the victory has already been won and that one day we will join the saints in those white robes and we will wave our palm branches in the glory of heaven because of what Jesus has accomplished for us. And as we continue to walk through this great tribulation together, may we never forget that Jesus is still king, nor be afraid to declare it together as his church, especially to the world that he died to save. In fact, may God use us during this trial to share his goodness and his faithfulness and his love as we care for one another, and especially for our neighbors around us. For I believe that in doing so, Many will come to know and to believe in Jesus as the Lord of life, just as they did when he raised Lazarus from the grave. Friends, may it be so for us this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May God bless you. May God keep you. I encourage you once again to join us on Monday, Thursday as we gather together to hear God's word read, as we remember what Jesus does for us as he moves into Jerusalem, as he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, as he is arrested and taken away, that he might accomplish, that he might finish the job before him to procure our salvation forever. God bless you. And until we meet again, amen.